Hello and welcome to the Outlive Your Life podcast, where we learn to document our stories because we realize our words will outlive us. There's an old Hebrew proverb which says, words fly away, but what's written remains. I am Kathleen Watkins, and I am your host. I am a certified guided autobiography instructor. I know this probably sounds kind of fancy, right? Well, a simple way to explain what I do is, let's say you are planning a fishing trip. You have all, you have the best equipment and bait, but you don't know where the good fishing holes are and you don't have anyone to guide you. Chances are you're going to come home empty-handed. Wherein if you had someone with you who knew where the fish were, then you probably would come back with some fish. As a guide in, in autobiography, what I do is I help you to unleash all those memories that have been hidden for so long and bring them out to the forefront of your mind. And I do this by having my students to write stories on different themes of life, such as the turning points in our lives, our family, our life goals, the role of money, and so on, which is a little different than doing, a, a, doing it chronologically. You would be surprised how many stories are locked into these things. And what I have them to do is to write a two-pager. That's right, just a two-pager. What I have found is that when I ask people, have they written their stories? And they'll say something like, well, I did start. But it became so overwhelming because I didn't know where to, where to begin. So I got overwhelmed and I just put it in a drawer and never got to it again. My objective is to help you to actually complete these stories because you're going to be held accountable. When you write your stories, you come to class and you read the stories out loud. And then your classmates give you uh, input. They, you know, they tell you what jumped out at them. And usually it's things that you never even thought of. We call that the secret sauce. But we're just going to get right into it and we're going to demonstrate to you how a class would go. But not before I introduce you to my friends. I have some friends today Yay. with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to begin uh, right here to my right. Hi, my name is Charlotte. I am 46 this year. I just had a birthday. Uh, I have attended the class, and it really enlightened me on um, actually what I have overcame. Uh, so these classes really are good if you want to write, if you want to share your story, or if you want to—it's uh, different— 
sections of the class that you could write and uh, use for other people. So, okay, thank you, Charlotte, and and um, and so you're here today to support. I am here to support, and I am here to learn. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. My name is Denise, and I am excited to be here today. This is something that I've been wanting to do, and so I'm excited to be able to learn and contribute as we um, have a good conversation today. Uh, my name is Robert uh, Gaines. I'm uh, a barber here in Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm 54 years old, and uh, I've lived life, and uh, I'm here to share and um, share with uh, the people at the table with me. So I'm happy about that. All right. So that being said, we are going to go ahead and get started. But before we do, I want to ask, because I, I want to ask Denise, has she ever thought about or has she ever done any writing or documenting of her um of her life, really. Actually, I do write just stories about my childhood or things that are important to me that I want to remember. Um, I journal things so that I can later on go back and read them. And then that way I can see how far I've come just in life and uh, in different seasons of life because, you know, there's seasons all the time. It's always changing. And so from, you know, when I got married and then we had kids and just changing jobs and just all of those things. I think that you need to write it down because I feel like when you don't write it down, you may miss some of those key things that happened in life. And when you get in a situation where you've, you're like, Oh, times are tough. You forget that you've overcame all mm. this stuff in your past. So why would you not be able to do it now? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that it's so important to write things down. And then not just that, leave it for um, your family, like your loved ones, because when you're gone, there's going to be something said about you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I know a lot of times we don't think about that. We're leaving a legacy whether we yes. know it or not. Exactly. What is it that you want to leave behind for people to remember mm. who you were, mm. what you did, how you loved? So if you want it to be something good, you probably should write it down and leave it because people will forget as you're gone, but yeah, they can always go back and say, wow, I remember when so-and-so did ABC, whatever it is, and remember the great things that you've done for them and how you love them. Well, Denise, you're my kind of girl. Yeah. <laughs> you sound, sound like you've already been in the class, really. One thing I always ask, and it seems to really get uh, people's attention when I say, just just imagine if you had your great-great-grandmother's stories. Wow. If you could hold, you know, read a book about wow. her life, how would that make you feel? Mm. I mean, it would change. I'm sure it would change the way you operate in yes. everything that you do. I mean, you would say, wow, like, look what she overcame. Like, she overcame the depression. Mm. She overcame, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, racism in the time, yes. especially. I mean, right. I, of course, I don't ha have that wisdom of what they had to walk through. We mm. hear stories. Mm. Yes. But if you could 
if it was someone that you knew, a family member that you could look and say, wow, this is the stock I come from. That's that's incredible. You know what I mean? The, the reason I say that is uh, well, um, I, I had to overcome drug addiction. But the thing that, the thing I didn't have a story to go on. I was seeing it in a living story because my parents were still alive at the time. And I said, dang, they, they overcame alcohol addiction and drug addiction. Mm -hmm. So... I knew that I had the DNA in me to do that. So had I not seen that, it would have been different. But so for generations to come to write that story down, the ones that may not have seen, you know, so sometimes uh, things skip a generation or two and then it returns again. So uh, it, if, if, Something in the future happens and, you know, uh, uh, a future generation happens to fall into diverse situations, then they can look back on the story that I write about my, my life and my family life coming up. And maybe they can uh, draw inspiration from that to know that they have the strength to overcome whatever they overcome. That's good. Yeah, um, I like what both of you said because... We can do that. We have the opportunity to right now. If we don't have stories of our parents, grandparents, and so forth, why don't we start leaving a leaving that legacy for our children? And nine times out of ten, our children are not very interested in it right now. Mm -hmm. But but down the line, <laughs> down the line, <laughs> down the line, trust me, they will want to know. They will want to know. And so if they can be able to, like I said, look in a document or a book and say, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times our children don't even know what our favorite color is, wow. what our favorite song is. Cause, because life is so fast-paced now, we just kind of look over those things. Mm -hmm. So we want to document that. And as Denise was saying, I thought about the obituary or your legacy letter. You want to be, I want to be in control of that, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I leave, write my own obituary, which I have, then first of all, it's going to relieve my family of that chore. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I will have, you know, what I want in it. I'm in control of it. And right. I, I kind of like that, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. uh, being in control of what's said um, about me. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into <clears throat> it into the main uh into the main point of this podcast really is for uh someone to share their stories and then we give them feedback and you in the listening audience as you listen maybe as Robert reads his story it will bring up things in your life and it usually does cuz we're all alike we're all alike and a lot of times we've had like experiences or similar or whatever, but we can relate mm -hmm. to one another. Yes. So, Robert, we're going to let you go ahead and and read your stories. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. As I said, my name is Robert. Um, I have two stories. They're not very long, um, but they're kind of similar in a way. Uh but they're just a portion out of my life, a little excerpt out of my life. Okay, we'll go with the first one. It was the summer of 1988, and I needed a fresh start. 
I had been getting into a little trouble, so my dad suggested that I go stay with my auntie in Texas. I moved to Grand Prairie, Texas, and got a job working at a local grocery store. The move was working out well for me. I wasn't getting into any mischief, and by the fall, I had made new friends. My friends and I decided to get together to celebrate the new year, December 31st, um, 1988. The day started out pretty good. I didn't have to work that day, so I called my co-worker and friend, Roderick, to let him know that I would pick him up after his shift ended and then began to busy myself getting ready for the evening. After washing my truck, cleaning my room, and getting my clothes prepared, I started to get this sinking feeling. My auntie and uncle came home from work and asked if I was still planning to go out with my friends. I told them that I was having second thoughts and that I wanted to stay home and celebrate with them instead. My auntie and uncle decided that I, I'm sorry, my auntie and uncle insisted that I go with my friend and have a good time. They reminded me of how hard I had been working and that they needed some time to themselves. I paged Roderick to let him know uh, I'm on my way to get him. Most of y'all know what page, page is. <laughs> yeah. some, some people don't. You know, be able to say, hey, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, after picking Roger up, we went to his house so we could get dressed. I was waiting in the living room listening to Roderick's brother play the drums when he suddenly stopped playing and turned to me and said, Robert, be careful tonight. I thought it was odd because he had never spoken to me before. Something wasn't right, but I could not put my finger on it. Roderick finished dressing and we headed out to meet up with more friends. On our, way to, on our way to the meetup, Roderick and I started talking about our plans for the new year, and he stated that he was glad that he made it. I reminded him that we hadn't made it yet and that we should be thankful if we do. I still felt uh, uneasy, but I shook it off and continued on. The evening turned into the new year, and we had been having a good time celebrating when the club lights came on, letting people know it was time to go. It was 2 a.m., tired and ready to go home. I gathered my friends and headed to the truck. On the highway, my friend reached behind my bench seat, pulled out a shotgun, and started shooting out my, wind, out my truck window while going under, under the underpass. I told him that I didn't want to go to jail and that he needed to put the gun back behind the seat. He didn't listen. Instead, he handed the shotgun out the window to some friends who were driving next to us on the highway. I heard a loud bang and saw blood all over the cab of my truck. Roderick had handed the gun out the window with the barrel facing him. My friend died in my arms 4.33 a.m. January 1989. My life forever changed in that moment. That that's a little story, a little excerpt about my life and like 
you know, those paradigm shifts, something that happens in your life. Uh, every every uh, Christmas in January, I replay that story in my head. It's, it's like, and I often wonder, um, why wasn't it me? You know, and I and I wonder, uh, was there significant? Was God saying something to me? How, what was the significance of Roger dying? And I'm living. Thirty years later, um, I realized that I hadn't really grieved his death. You know, I I didn't really grieve it until I started writing about it. Mm. Um, and then and then you know I I felt. You know, I felt guilt. I didn't know how much guilt that I had felt over the years growing up. I just, it was like a cloud of darkness just followed me my entire life. Like, you know, uh, everywhere I went, there was something going on. But the, the oddest thing is wherever I went, things would happen, but they wouldn't happen to me. You know, you know, so... I just wondered why, you know, I, I kind of knew who God was, but I didn't know how God worked. I, I didn't have him in my life. I didn't have a relationship with God. So I didn't grow up with God uh, in my life like that, uh, though he though he was in my life. I just never knew he was. So, um, so you know, th- those things kind of perplexed me, and I— or, you know, I had a lot of feelings about that. So I just wrote a little excerpt about that part of my life. And I have another story. That's Before you do, Robert, let's kind of comment on that one. And then we'll go okay. to the other one. And what I will say is that that could be considered a turning point mm-hmm. in I think your it life. Was. Yeah, it was. It's, 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 it impacted your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And so why don't we hear from Denise and Charlotte on what their thoughts are? Go ahead, Ms. Charlotte. Okay. Yes. um, So that is a very interesting story. And what stuck out to me is guilt. Sometimes when things happen and we want to blame ourselves, I know that it's not us. It's because the other evil side of the spirit don't want you to move forward. And that was supposed to be something that you saw and was supposed to overcome and be better um, with. So I want to know what made you feel guilty. Was it because you were in your private time Asking God to change you, uh, you don't want to live like this, but you were still, you know, participating in some of it. Or is it because, like you said, he passed and you didn't? Good question. Um, a little bit of both. Uh, the fact that that I lived and he didn't and his brother had never talked to me before. And, you know, I had moved from Oklahoma because I was getting in trouble and moved to my auntie and uncle's house. And I thought, uh, here I go again. I can't go anywhere without trouble following me. Even when I want to do good, there's mm-hmm. always something lurking to do bad. There's always going to be bad there. Um, uh, I, I felt guilty because my auntie had taken me in where no one else would. And I didn't have many friends. You know, I was uh, I wasn't I was always introvert uh, 
a loner in so many ways. Well, actually, an outcast in so many ways. So um, it wasn't so much that I was introverted. It was more so that I was outcast, which caused me to turn introverted. So um, because of abandonment issues. Uh, But when that happened, you know, I didn't go into in-depth because I've got other stories where I went in-depth in this, but I had to clean out that truck mm-hmm. when uh, after we got it back from the impound in Lusteric in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I, um, as I was washing my seat out, and I noticed the blood going down into the drain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, of the, the city drain. And I thought, and that, there's my friend right there because life is in the blood. And I just said, that's my friend, that the only friend that I knew in my life. And I had no idea the significance of what had just happened. But I knew that it was for, there was a purpose in it, but I had no idea what it was because I had no connection to a higher source of power, mm-hmm. you know, uh, had no idea about it. So uh, at that time, I, I just thought, well, um, it's just, you know, it just happened, and I was just going to have to move on. I ended up moving back to Oklahoma immediately, and uh, it seemed like everything that year was trying to kill me, mm. literally kill me, and I beat a jury trial that year. Um, and and I thought the, the people were trying to lock me up, a lot of things were happening. I got hit on, hit by, head on by uh, a one-ton truck on 63rd uh, right after that. And nothing happened to me. Absolutely. I, I, I was like, I, in, in many ways, I just thought I wanted to die, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so, you know, life went on and, and it continued to go on. But that there's one thing that I thought that taught me something out of that incident was that, Life is so uncertain. Mm-hmm. You cannot say you will definitively be here mm-hmm. any second from now. We can walk, right. go out of here and mm-hmm. fall out and have a aneurysm or anything. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't know. So people often ask me why I always say, and I think I've always said this since that day, uh, uh, in God's will. Mm. I always say that, and and people are laughing at me at my job. Robert, you always say that, but I, I got firsthand experience. Uh, like I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm sitting here talking to my friend Roger, and all of a sudden he was gone. Mm-hmm. And I said, and we had made all these plans to mm-hmm. do what we were going to do, and I felt guilty about that. And he had a child that his he never knew his. He had a child. His uh, the mother of his child was uh, pregnant at the time, and. Um, he never, he, it was his last year of high school. He was uh, getting ready to graduate, and uh, he, he didn't do that. His, he would have been the first of his family to graduate high school. I felt guilty because his, you know, his, you know, I had to go stand in front of his mother and his brother and tell them, and I was strangers to them. I mean, you know, I'm coming from a different state, and I didn't grow up with him. But he became my best friend over that summer. In fact, probably I would venture to say the only friend that I ever felt connection to in my entire life, you know, because it was away from the the muck I had grown up in. And uh, and I just made a connection with him. It seemed like our, our spirits were one. Mm-hmm. Did that incident 
change you? Absolutely it did. It changed me to where I knew that I always had this sinking feeling that anything could happen. You know, I didn't really look towards, it made me stay more so in the present than look Mm -hmm. towards the future on things. And I think that changed the trajectory of my life because I should not have the skills that I have today. Uh, Because of that, what happened, I said to myself, oh, I need to, I became a cabinet maker. Mm. Okay, uh, before but before you get into that though, Robert, let's hear from Denise. Let give her an opportunity to uh give her insight on your story. So when you obviously we we hear guilt and hurt. Did you ever have that conversation with anyone so that you could release that? Or did you carry it until you just now decided as you were writing it out? to release that? Good question. Um, In uh, 2001, of course, this happened in 1989. In 2001, I got a, I was married and and I went through a divorce and I was crying a lot, but I wasn't really crying because of the divorce. I wanted to divorce. It wasn't going to work. I was uh, crying because all I could remember the hurt that I felt when my friend Roger could die. So I'm, I'm, I'm crying and people were saying, Oh yeah, you know, you it's okay. Your marriage. Man, I didn't care about that. I'm like, you know, so I didn't, right, I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, but you know, the truth was I was hurting because I didn't have a friend to confide in. Mm-hmm. And he was my friend, and we talked about everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I carried that with me um, for years. And then I kind of released a little bit of it uh, 11 years later. But um, I really didn't release a lot of it until last year because I started to go down a rabbit hole again. And I needed to connect with something. So I, I started, well, God put some things in play where I started writing. And so when I started writing, I started seeing the connection and I, I started to grieve. So it, and then I kind of understood or at least got a grasp of why I'm started to understand that I needed to know what my purpose was in life Mm -hmm. and how this was going to fit into my narrative. So that's uh, yeah, it, it it affected me, and yes, I um. It really I, gave you an insight for the future, exactly. Because I heard mm. you say that uh, I didn't want to live. You no. know, uh, I I thought about the spirit of conviction, and it's really really dangerous when you get in the mindset of you're not convicted of what you're doing. You don't care if you live or die. Mm. Uh, so um, it's good now that you have the spirit of conviction uh, mm. that. Even if you do have that thought in your head, you know, it's going to convict you and it's going to bring you back to where you came from. Absolutely. To where you won't do those things. And then you resist the devil and he flees. And then you have a testimony. Someone is going to come your way that lost a friend and just think they cannot 
live again. It could be a friend. It could be a mother. It could be a child, you know, and to hear someone else say, wow, I looked up and it was 11 years later Mm -hmm. and I didn't get to grieve about it, but I'm still moving forward. And and that's all life is. You have to keep moving forward Mm -hmm. and you have to just be thankful that it wasn't you instead of now thinking, well, uh, why wasn't me? Because you, we really don't know the plans and the will of God, you know. So I lost a son, and um, the Spirit just kept telling me, do not dwell on it <laughs> yeah. for a long time. I know it was the Spirit <laughs> of God. Right. I know it was because those things will, when it, when the enemy takes your mind or the things that's going on in life takes your mind, you're gone. If you don't have the mind and the heart. Uh, you're really not usable almost. So um, we have to be able to, and and, and when you have that attitude that no matter what comes my way, no matter who I lose, uh, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to tell my testimony, you know, I'm going to help other people out. It's like uh, bleeding, uh, helping while you're bleeding. You're still bleeding, but in, in in your bleeding and in your ministry and your helping out, that is where your healing comes in at. Right. So that's why possibly God did mm-hmm. bring that to you to where he's like, I'm not even a writer, mm-hmm. you know, and this, this and that. God is healing you. Right. And I, yeah. I kind of felt that when I when I first picked up. And then, I, well, you know what happened mm-hmm. with my mother and the situations that went on. And then you showed up in my mm-hmm. life and I'd already been writing and then you was and I wasn't gonna go to class mm. this uh next this spring semester. So I was still thinking, well, God, well, I still wanna write. You know, I like I like writing. And then you showed up mm. and I was like able to continue on and then starting to read your book and uh give it uh to give my life some clarity. Uh you know, it's it's been a been yeah. of course a journey. But but one more thing before what you had said, um yeah, um I don't think that, I think now, especially last year um, when I got on my knees and I and I decided that I didn't want to do anything, whether smoking weed or whatever, I cut it all out. And the moment that I did, t- tobacco, everything, and I thought for sure I'm not going to be able to do this. And I did, you know, I went, you know, I went in, uh, it's been a, actually it's a year, it's, it's a year this week. And, so, so, you know, and no one at my job thought I was going to do it. They, they was like, cause I, I had ordered, I called up the Oklahoma hotline for patches. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny thing. A few That's months later. Yeah, the, the, funny, the funny thing, the Wrong funny subject. thing, the funny <laughs> thing about it was the uh, I, I never smoked cigarettes, but I did chew tobacco. So the funny thing was about it is that um that day when I sat in front of that dispensary and I made the most the second best decision that I think I made in my life was not to go in that dispensary and get that uh, anxiety reliever. Mm. That's what I got. Because I was like, you know, I, you know, I thought, you know, I'm doing this because I have anxiety. Mm. But the truth was, it was causing my anxiety because mm. I haven't had anxiety since then. So I was like, 
I, I don't have anxiety. And people, it's really hard for people to understand that because they're, they're trapped in whatever they're doing and they tell themselves these stories like, okay, like this is why I do this, this is why I drink, or this is why I do what I do. But unless you step back from that and really start taking a look at it, you you might have a different perspective. Of course, a year later, um, my perspective, a few months after my perspective changed, and there were I was more clarity in my life because I'm going to tell you, it was because I think, I think it's because I made a conscious decision. Mm. Someone else didn't make the decision for That's me. That's good. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, I need to do this for me, for my mm. sanity. As you were saying, my sanity Jesus. was starting to erode. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, Lord, you know, whatever God I knew at the time was like, man, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. Mm. I'm lost in my, I need to stop everything just so I could just see, mm-hmm. you know, anything, any kind of hope. Cause I was headed in the wrong direction. And uh, fortunately God showed up in the form of a person mm. that I happened to see going to a church. Mm. It wasn't the church sort of say, but it was the person that showed up that had light that walked into a church mm. that I had drove by many times and never seen a light. I only saw the light in the person who walked in the church. Mm. So I followed that person into the church, hoping that I could see something. Uh, and there I kept coming back because that light kept going back into this church. And I was able to um, hear the word mm. and it started to transform how I thought, because I thought it, I thought I was only going because of the the person who was going to the church. Because <laughs> uh, I wanted to, I, I had a fear of, you know, I had a fear, and I thought, well, you know, I want to be closer to her, and uh, and then I got to learn some things about myself and about mm-hmm. my family and about mm-hmm. my past and things like that. Things that caused me fear, to, as we say today, uh, mm-hmm. out living your life, and mm-hmm. she was able to tell me. Uh, some of the family members who had that same fear that I had and what oh. they did. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, I, it, so it taught me a little about myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I'm not the only one that felt it. You mean that my yeah. great-grandfather did this? My grandmother was like mm-hmm. this too? Are you that, that, that That is very interesting, uh, Robert, how traits such as fear right, and how all of that can be passed down. Now, what I want to know now is, Denise, did you have anything to add? To I just that? wanted mm-hmm. to say, because I just like mm-hmm. you with you talking, um, I feel like you, God had always been with you and you, obviously we know that now, mm-hmm. but sometimes we don't know because it says confess to God so that you can be um, forgiven. But it says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. You didn't have anybody to confess to. Mm. So the healing never came. Right. You walked with that mm-hmm. all this time. We have to be able to give um, that to someone, you know? So it's cool to see that you had God had taken you to a place where you still didn't have anyone you thought was close enough to you, but that he would give you the opportunity to heal 
by writing it out. Right. Because, I mean, the healing has to come, but you have to be able to face the thing right. to heal from the thing. You yeah. can't push it down. Right. So it's really good that you got that opportunity to say, okay, I'm just going to write it out. Right. And write, writing is cathartic. It yeah. is. Once you put pen to paper, something magical happens. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit there and think about it. Nothing happens. But once you start writing, it blows you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing about it, a lot of times you don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that. Where I thought I was going to write this, and then here I am going mm-hmm. down a totally different path. And that's the way it is when we write our stories. Yeah. We we have come just about to the end, Robert, and won't be able to share that other story, but that's okay. Right. We can do it another time. Uh, this Your story was very compelling. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, and like I said, that was, a, I'm going to call it a turning point mm-hmm. right. story. Yeah, yeah. and of course, being able to share it with us and, and to get uh, just different um, insights on your story. It's, all, mm-hmm. it's always helpful. So I want to thank each of you for joining the Outlive Your Life podcast today. Charlotte, thank you. You're welcome. Denise, thank, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. And Robert, thank you. Thank you for I allowing want, me. Yeah, I want to uh, remind everyone that I do classes And you can go to my Facebook page right now. My classes last for six weeks. I usually have anywhere from two to four people. And and you just get to write stories on the different themes. The themes are universal. So if you would like to contact me, you can go to my Facebook page, Outlive Your Life Legacy Workshop. And and leave a message. Now, this podcast is a part of the possibilities building your bridges network. Yeah, and yes, and we look forward to seeing you the next time. So for right now, tell everybody bye. 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 See you later. (laughs)